What is up, team? Welcome back. Shaz, what is going on, man? How you doing, Jeremiah? Good, dude. I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. We straight up missed an entire month of this, didn't we? Yeah, I think we missed July. I was out of town for a lot of it, too. And so we just never... We tried to do it two weeks ago, and then I think we tried yeah. to do it last week. And we just both had a ton of shit going on. That is on me. I know that the one we scheduled... And we just didn't have Wi-Fi for some reason. Like they had to come. I don't know how those works, but something like I were off. Like they had to like come and like grill into our wall and set up a whole new. It was it was a mess, dude. <laughs> like the first week, the first week we got into the house, um, it was like we didn't have Wi-Fi, we didn't have water. All of a sudden, our AC quit working, and there was oh. like hella water coming <laughs> through the roof. It was a mess, but we got it all straightened. Dude, did not have AC in Scottsdale. That's got to be terrible. It was pretty toasty, dude. I went, so I went and got this big ass like swamp fan thing because oh, I yeah? wanted it for the garage anyways and just put it in our room so at least we could like sleep because um, it was like, it was like 88 in there. <laughs> That's but insane. It, it was just like, I woke up in the middle of the night and the blankets were just like wet. It was, oh, like- <laughs> it was the grossest thing. <laughs> so about the house, dude, I found out about this just two weeks ago. I had no idea that you guys were buying the house. I want to hear about it. What? How did that even come to place? Is that something you guys have been thinking about for a while and it happened or was it like sporadic? Yeah. How, how did this come about? Yeah. So, I mean, I know we talked on the podcast a little bit like about how we wanted to buy a house when yeah. we were sort of looking. I mean, we just decided like we were paying rent. We knew we wanted a house. So we just decided to start seriously looking. Um, and Katie and I are both very much like we're just similar to you. <laughs> like we're not patient. Right. Like, yeah. Okay. I want something like it has to, it has to happen. Let's go get it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, basically we decided that we had, a, we had like walked into an open house a couple of years ago here, like right when we first moved here, met a realtor that we really liked. So we hit him up. Um, we went with him one day and looked at, two houses the second one we looked at we're like that's the one. that's the one we love it uh, put in an offer the next day they accepted it so then it was like what like tw- a 28 day closing process that said yeah like, that's were, annoying I, <laughs> it was and that, that's that shit's so stressful dude mm-hmm. it's like you know that feeling you have when you're about to go through um like airport security it's just like that. And I don't know. I get hell. Yeah. I know what you're like, talking what about. If like, <laughs> what if I accidentally brought a gun or something? Yeah, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like that's like the entire time where they're like, especially like as a business owner where it's like, fuck, did I like, <laughs> what if I like did my shit wrong or like did my taxes wrong or something like that? Mm-hmm. But so that, that was pretty like anxiety inducing. And then, uh, so there was a shortage of people to also do the appraisal, which is a big mm-hmm. part of like, if we get the loan or not as well. And so we didn't basically our appraisal like came in way late. So basically we found out we for sure like got the appraisal and thus that we needed and thus got the house on Thursday and we moved in that Tuesday. So we so we like didn't oh, know fast. we had the house until like four or five days before we moved in. Um but yeah dude it was it was kind of crazy and I would think July has been an insane month as a whole. Is it close to where you were at before? Or are you like on a different part of Scottsdale? Oh, yeah. or? So it's literally like five minutes north of where we were before. Oh, so we, super close. Yeah, we loved where we were before, but um, we just didn't want to be in an apartment anymore. So it's like we love the area so much. So we're stoked to be in there. So the move was super easy because of that. Uh, but yeah, man, it's 
dope. I have the most beautiful garage. Got so much more space for I new saw. stuff. I Gra- saw. Garage gym's leveling up as well. Um, so getting more equipment. Yeah, I, I actually like <laughs> I actually sold like everything I had in the old one. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be dope. And you're just reordering all new stuff. Uh, it's on the way. Yeah. So I have. What so what'd I got. you sell? Yeah, what'd you sell? So I got I have like five through hundred pound dumbbells now versus like those adjustable ones. Oh yeah, yeah. You needed those. Yeah, for sure. I sold the, I sold the belt squat actually, and I got a Smith machine. And have you seen? Have you like used a Cybex squat press? Um, that's the plate loaded. That's not like on like a. It's not like on a rod. It's like it's free. Yeah, yeah I so loaded. yeah, absolutely. I love those. They're um, so dope because yeah, the 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 foot plate like adjusts. So for most people, yeah. like if you're trying to do a squat, for example, or a leg press, like the limiting factor or like one of the things that stops your range of motion is like your butt starts to come off the pad, right? But because of how that moves, it basically makes it so it doesn't matter if you like have terrible ankle mobility, you can still like achieve a ton of deflection. So I'm sorry for mm-hmm. that. And then I sold my uh, squat rack as well. Really? And I'm getting a. I have a prime fitness one coming that is like a functional trainer combined with the rack. Oh, I've seen, I've seen that one. It's going to, it's going it's to be so dope. All of it's Good all black, you, dude. It's going to be so beautiful. So I'm, I'm stoked about all that, but yeah, dude, it's been crazy. Like we got the house and that like same week we got our new puppy. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot going on. So, but it's, it's, it's been good things. The first, those first couple of weeks was, oh, dude, there's so much to try to like organize right now, but we made it sure. work. How, um, how is the new dog? How's that going? This is your guys' first baby. Yes, sir. No, it's, it's going good, man. Um, she's, she's the cutest dog. Is it more work than you thought it would be? <laughs> Honestly, no, I don't That's think good. it's worse. I was pretty worried, man, about, because she's just at home with me all day. Like, right now she's in a cage because she keeps barking at me. Um, but it's honestly not as bad as I thought. I was pretty stressed about it. Like I knew she was going to be dope, but like she already sleeps all the way through the night. Um, she's doing pretty good with her potty training and whatnot as well. Like the only real challenge is she's decided the like in the last couple of days, she like has to be on my lap because she just hangs out here with me in my office all day. And then like on our new spot, we have like a grass area. We'll like go on a walk by making hella steps. Like it's, it's so weird. They'll all just, like normally it would be like, okay, I haven't tried to hit my steps. So I have like 3,000, 5,000. Now it's like, fuck, I probably need to get some steps and I'll look and I've got like 30,000 steps already. Right. Um, but no, the only thing is like, she just decided she needs to be on my lap like all day while she's in the office too. So we're trying to figure that out. Cause otherwise she just like sits down there and barks at me. Yeah. But like when she's up here, if she sleeps, it's good. But she also like, she has this thing where she like loves to burrow like between the pillows, but if mm-hmm. she's on your lap, she'll try to like burrow between your legs. And it's like, well, <laughs> like you just can't, you just can't have her doing that well. Um, but no, dude, it's, it's been good. Honestly, I think that it's been smooth, a smoother transition than I was worried it would be. Um, so yeah, it's going well. That's good, man. I'm happy for you. That's a lot of change yeah, all at once. Like good. adding a puppy is, it's a, sounds rude, but it's a bigger pain in the ass than, than most oh, yeah. realize right up front. You know what I mean? Like, not that that's rude, but it is a lot of work. And with that and like the house and everything you guys got going, I'm super happy for you, man. That's, that's awesome. I remember when we first bought, so we're just renting right now, but when we lived in Idaho, we, and when Claire and I first got married, we bought our first house. Right. Um, there's just something different about it. That was so cool. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you're sitting in a place that is 
yours that just like i don't know just makes you feel like you're to that like next point in your life like it's it's your ground it's not somebody else's which is super cool so i'm happy for you dude that's awesome thank you dude no it is super cool you're right it is different like okay this is ours and we can do whatever we want um but i mean basically (laughs) we've been doing like hella home improvement stuff which is (laughs) good and bad (laughs) yeah um i'm but no it's it's been super cool man what's been going on with you guys um not a ton man so i've actually spent the last three months or three months three weeks um just traveling so we took off right around three and a half weeks ago for park city which is just like four hours north of us where we live now from saint george we went up there and just spent a week we're just enjoying like it's up in the mountains obviously it's a lot cooler i i'm a baby when it comes to the heat so I wanted to get out of St. George's because it's been too hot. I feel like I'm in a prison and can't go outside half the time. So <laughs> pretty dramatic. But okay. Yeah, it is dramatic, but that, that's how I feel. <laughs> I hate the heat. I'm a baby when it comes to it. So we took off for um, Park City and hung out there for a week and just kind of enjoyed. We stayed in a, a little like apartment slash condo thing that was up on the mountain, which was super cool and just hung out with the family and continued to work. And then from there, we went up to Idaho, just back and stayed at my mom's house for a couple of weeks. We had the fair in Preston this last week, which is like the biggest weekend of the year at home. Like everybody who's from Preston essentially comes back to Preston during that week. Like all the school reunions are during that time and just everybody's back in town. So we went and hung out for that and hung out with family for a few weeks until we got to the point where it was like, all right, we better get back to our own house because this is getting like we just need to be back into our own space right so so yeah man that's all that that we've been doing and it's nice because i can just continue to work and kind of flow around wherever we're at you know what i mean so like it's kind of hard just because i like to have structure but at the same time i I was getting so antsy here that i just knew i needed to get out of the house so on saturday that three weeks ago um i just looked at my wife was like we've got to go and so i just booked an airbnb and we took off for park city and we just got back two days ago. So it's been good, man. We've just been roaming around and having a good time. Do you, do you like that? Like, does it bother you at all being away a couple of weeks at a time from like a work perspective or no? Do you like that? Um, that's, so that's the first time I've taken that long and like mm-hmm. had to continue like being right on point with work. Cause like every once in a while, if you go on a week trip, you can kind of get a bunch of work done beforehand. Right. And so you're just kind of in maintenance mode while you're traveling. But this was the first time I was gone for such a long period that I just had to continue the workflow as normal. I was a little bit nervous about it up front, but it was way easier than I realized. I, I was actually way more productive while I was gone because like I had, yeah, like I had, I got the exact same amount done, but I felt like I had a lot more free time because my actual work time, like I was dedicating it, you know what I mean? To like be working and be sitting and dedicating it to this as opposed to now I'm back home in my office. Like I got, um, shiny object syndrome, you know what I mean? Like something comes up, oh, that's a good idea for a post. And then I'll start posting something or my daughter needs something, you know what I mean? To where like a few hours worth of work takes four or five hours worth of work. So I was never really, I was nervous about it up front, but it didn't bother me at all. I actually, like I said, I found myself being a lot more just to the point with everything that I was doing. And that brought up a, a interesting conversation with me and my wife about our situation at the moment, mm-hmm. just because we both love to travel. Like I've, I've told the story on the podcast about lost and lifting and where that name came from in the first place in terms of like almost being like a travel fitness blog at first, just because of our our passion to travel and go all over the place. And our lease comes up here um, in December of this year. And so we're thinking 
like I remember we had some conversation and I was I was talking like, oh, maybe we'll move back to Idaho or whatever that was. That's kind of like gone by the wayside. I think I was just a little bit homesick for really? that little bit of time. It's like, eh, I don't you really don't want to live the go. Yellowstone life anymore. <laughs> no, that, I think that was what was part of it too. Was <laughs> Yellowstone Wait till next season, season like, comes Damn, out. Dude, I need some cattle. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, it. I think like I don't see us moving back to Idaho like in the foreseeable future. But what we have talked about, like with the travel that we've been doing is potentially taking like six to 12 months for next year after our lease comes up and doing some travel, like thinking about, because Charlie is going to start kindergarten next year. So we've got essentially a year until all that comes up. So we've been talking about, we've really been considering the fact of like potentially buying a sprinter van and doing the van life for oh, like no six way. months <laughs> okay. or, um, or doing like the Airbnb life to where we'll just essentially pick an Airbnb spot, rent it out for a month and do that in like six different places for like a six month span. I want to do that one just because like, it'll have more structure as yeah. opposed to the van side of things. Yeah, but like my that. wife wants to bring our dog scooter. And so, cause she's there, he's like our, our first child and Charlie is our second child. Okay. And so um, she wants to do the van life because she knows that she can take him, but we're talking through that. I don't know if that will happen for sure, but like, that's kind of what we're thinking about. Damn. That's crazy. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm surprised you don't, you decided you didn't want to move back to Idaho. Cause I thought from the, our conversations, I thought it was, that was like for sure something that was going to So did I, I seriously think like, I think I was just a little bit homesick because it's the first time that I had been away for that long without ever like visiting back. Right. And so I think some of it was that. And I seriously think some of it was watching Yellowstone and how much it reminded me <laughs> of being home and getting sucked into that show. It's like, damn dude, I, I gotta go back there. <laughs> but yeah, I it was just kind of a it was kind of a phase. What I'm finding being away and just mm-hmm. living our own lives on our own. One, we miss family. That part of it sucks as I'm sure you understand too, is you're not around your family, but at the right. same time like you kind of, you learn how to find yourself more and like between mine and Claire's relationship, it's grown so much and we've been able to grow into our own people and how we parent Charlie and everything. It's hard because they don't get to be around their grandparents as much, which is the worst piece of it as we have kids and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, like, I just feel like we're growing into who we are more so here, if that makes sense. No, absolutely, man. I mean, it's almost like, like when you go to college and like, you're like all of a sudden you don't have all these different influences and I I get it hundred percent. I've experienced the same thing, like moving down here too. Right. I think that that's one of the most just completely creating your environment, like putting yourself somewhere like that. It's, I think that's really one of the most powerful things you can do to, and I mean, I don't know that like, I don't think you guys moved necessarily because you were like, I want to get away from my family or anything like that at all. But it is interesting how that works. Like moving to Arizona, I've seen the same thing. Like miss our fam. I miss my family so much. And I know Katie misses her family a lot as well. And we still get to see them a decent amount. But it is definitely like there is, and I mean, no matter what, you can make your own path, right? But that's so much easier to just like do your own thing. and As you said, like become more of who you want to be without like feeling a pressure to act or like live a certain way. Exactly. Or an influence in some exactly. form of a way. Um, yeah, man, I, I just think like the relationship that you build, you just find out more about who you are as an in- individual without all of a lot of other influences 
around you that, that not necessarily that those influences are negative by any means because they're not, but you just get more comfortable in your own skin and are mm-hmm. almost allowed, like at least for me, because I come from a very small town, right? Like right. just this freedom to be me, which doesn't mean I can't do that there too. I absolutely can. But for some reason it just feels easier. Like here, there's less fear of judgment. Yeah. Less, maybe yeah. it's, it's less fear. Of, yeah. It is less fear of judgment. And when I say that, I, I don't even know, like who I would be worried about judging me in the first place, which is mm-hmm. odd. You know what I mean? Like back there, like, there isn't that person there that like would do that and make me feel that way. But at the same time, it's, I don't know, maybe it's just like the culture that I was brought up in, if that makes sense. No, dude, I feel it. I struggled with the same thing for a long time, man. Just like when I first started creating content, I was so worried about people from my hometown specifically. And I, that's so hard. You, same as you said, though, I couldn't like pinpoint a specific individual that was like this person especially I'm worried about it was just like a general fear of and I think again like it's kind of like that but also at the same time it's kind of like getting rid of a security blanket as well right like there's so much less comfortable like you don't have like I don't know man it's it's an interesting conversation for sure but that is go ahead sorry no go ahead sorry I cut you off you go I was just going to say that's probably the biggest piece to it that made me the most uncomfortable up front that I feel like maybe wanted me to go home mm-hmm. was the security blanket of at home. Like first it's really cheap to live there. I have right. a lot of a family around me. You know what I mean? Like right. I can live a very simple and easy life and feel extremely secure as opposed to like St. George isn't the most expensive place in the entire world to live by any means, but it's definitely more expensive than there. I have to continue to up level to support my family to put a big focus of my life into business, right? And like mm-hmm. growing that over time. But with that comes a lot more opportunity as well. But I think that that was part of it was when I stripped that security blanket away. At first it was empowering to not have it. And then like with a little bit of time, I kind of teetered backwards. It was like, oh, like I want that secure. I want that comfortable feeling of being able to live back there with things just being much cheaper, much simpler, much easier. But at the same time, then I, I know I would get back there and I'd be like, what the hell did I just do? Like I yeah. sold myself short. You know what I mean? And I think we all go through that, which is, it was probably more scarcity and fear-based and like self-doubt based than it was anything else looking back at it at this point. And like, that's all that life is, right? Is if you can build awareness around that and not make decisions too fast. Like I always do that. I'll, I'll make a decision. I'll talk about it. Like most people, when they go to make a decision, like they think through it for a really long time and then come yeah. to you with a decision at the end. And this is what they're doing. I'm the complete opposite. Like I think about something and then I verbalize it publicly, like on the podcast or like with family, like this is what I'm doing. And then I'll take the next three months and really um, like think about it and like dissect it. And it's like, okay, this is the actual decision. I was just excited. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh yeah. All the time. That's what everybody says. Like, oh, Chaz has got another big idea. Will, will this one stick? Some of them do. And then some of them is like, I, I come to a common sense ground of like, okay, maybe that doesn't really make sense. I mean, the thing is regardless, like that approach has obviously worked very well for you. So that's what I say. That's what I keep saying. Right? So I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Not, af- not afraid to put it out there. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter if it fails or not. Yeah. My wife's the complete opposite. So she kind of gets pissed. It's like, quit telling people all of our business when, when you don't even know what you're doing yet. But that's how I, I think through things. So just whatever. Just it aloud yeah oh yeah really okay okay huh that's interesting uh good dude what's what's up with your training and nutrition lately it's going solid man i've just been continuing to build i've been um still following 
Cole Parter's app or Cole Parter. The hell's his name? Paul Cole Carter. Cole <laughs> Parter's app. No, Paul Carter's app. Um, and just running his programming, just on a push pull leg split, push pull lower split. Yeah. And um, it's been going really good, dude. I think the last time we talked, it was probably a month and a half ago, and I had gone from 180 up to like 185 roughly and now i'm between 185 or well, i'm between 188 to 190 so it's just been a, a slow gain it's it's potentially gone a little bit faster than i probably would have hoped that yeah. it would i just kind of let just started eating more i was like i'm just gonna eat and enjoy and not like try to keep this too restricted and as you know i haven't been counting macros through any of it or anything just keeping a good eye on protein and make sure i'm eating till full basically every single day and tracking weight and make sure, making sure that it's trending in the right way. So it's been good, man. It, I've been training just purely hypertrophy, meaning building muscle, right? Like I haven't been doing any strength work. I've been doing zero barbell work. And yeah. so I've never ran that. I've always ran like a, a power building style programming, right? Like with a bench, a squat, some form of a deadlift, lifting in like a three to six rep range trying to build strength there and the way that i'm i'm training now is vastly different than that but um i've really enjoyed it it's been cool like to focus more on the biomechanics side of it and, and start to understand training pretty much at failure with everything like not really leaving any reps in reserve with anything that i'm doing and it's been super fun the, the volume's low the sessions are only like 40 to 50 minutes but it's it's been really good i've i've really enjoyed it it's a different stimulus and it's just a different way to approach your training which i do well with changing things up like that every yeah. six to 12 months just to keep me more engaged with it so it's been good i feel like i've been building more muscle and probably at the end of this miso after a couple more weeks i'm thinking about doing a mini cut for like a maybe like a four to six week period because we're going to go into a neural phase which is just a, a strength phase basically that mm-hmm. where we're going to go away from hypertrophy and just focus on on strength so i'm thinking about running a cut through that and then just continuing to build through the rest of this year into next year. And then I'll probably cut right before an actual longer cut right before summer next year. I just need to give myself a little bit of room. Cause I don't want to get too much higher than 190. Yeah. Okay. What's like, what's, what's your all time heaviest? One, the highest I've ever seen myself weigh in. I think like after like a day of just eating like shit um, in the past was like a 193, but the heaviest really? like I'll ever really let myself get is around like 190 to 192 ish. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. And then I'm, I'm lean. Like I'm really lean, like photos that you've probably seen on social media and stuff where like, I'm, I'm pretty diced up. That's, that's, right. sending me. <laughs> <laughs> that's around, um, roughly 170, like between 168 to 172. So I've got about 20 pounds to that. Okay, cool. Cool. Dope. That, I mean, so it sounds like more or less you're kind of following the same path as last time we tried. Exact same. Yeah. Cool. As we should be right? Like yeah. it hasn't been that long. I feel like I've always made the mistake of not always, but sometimes making the mistake of changing the path too right. often. It's what about, do, man. yeah, it definitely is. Especially if like for me, I've, I've just gone at my training and nutrition solo for the last while. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. like, so yeah, it's easy to get down that train, but I've, I've committed to this and I've really enjoyed it, man. What about you? How's the, are you back into a build at this point or, or what's going on? How did the end of the the vest cycle and all that stuff go. I'm so glad to be done with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. So went through that cut. Um, what I went from 232 to 204. Um, so that, that all went well. That's a big cut. How long did that take? 13 weeks. 
Oh, that's fast. It 13 was weeks? Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Were you uh, hungry by the end? Honestly, man, I think it was one of the easiest cuts I've done. But wow. that's the thing is, too, like, I've never been. So, like, past cuts I've done, I was a lot more, like, flexible dieting, IFYM. And this time I was like, all right, I'm going to create every Sunday, like, my example, quote-unquote, meal plan for the day. And it's as easy as, like, okay, I, I ate, like, this for breakfast, this lunch, this dinner. These are all, like, I know, like, this day of eating, it's my macros, right? So, like, I can literally just copy and paste from my fitness pal from one day to the next. Um, and, like, that was so easy as opposed to, like, before it was basically just, like, macro, macro tech, macro Tetris yeah. every day. Um, and the reality is, like, with that, I think when you're plugging shit in, like, constantly throughout the day or, like, the end of the day, like, trying to plug things in, there's still always some food that goes on the counter for. So, I mm-hmm. think, like, for me... You, a lot more than like the weighted vest. I think that made a big difference. Um, and even like that, that post, I, the post I made the other day that was like all this shit adds up to like, if you have like two tortilla chip, chips, like, yeah, we shared it. Yeah. That, that was, that resonated with so many people. I've never had that many people reshare the post before, but like truly that makes such a difference. And I think that's like so overlooked. So that made a big difference for it. And also it was, kind of just like at a different point now versus last cuts where like I don't drink, drink nearly as much as I used to and like we don't just go out and get smashed at least like <laughs> twice a weekend right so it's it's kind of a different phase as well um which straight up just makes it a little bit easier but yeah no it was it was good so went through that um so I'm actually done working with Steve now so I was Are you? yeah so I was all I'm gonna program for myself um crush my nutrition everything on my own which something i know about myself is i don't do well without a coach <laughs> but i forgot that um which I, I don't love but i think probably most people who are listening can relate to as well absolutely like, for me i'm not gonna fucking do cardio unless i have someone there that's like same whole, you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like the day so um i'm working with alex bush from physique development now actually oh awesome yeah, it's been, it's been dope so far. We just, I'm literally just in my first week and I'm actually in the neuro phase as well. So, really? yeah. So basically it's five days per week. Um, it's basically upper, lower, upper, lower. And then there's one day that's entirely delts, which I'm so stoked for. Um, it's like a specialization day. Um, it's not actually a specialization day. So our focus is our upper back, which my upper back is just fucked right now and, uh, quads. So those are like my two focuses for, the, the next couple mesocycles at the very least realistically probably like the next six months um but yeah i mean i've been i've been following like straight hypertrophy style training so like eight to 15 inch reps on everything two to three minutes rest very minimal supersets or anything of that nature for mm-hmm. at least the last two years like no cardio so it's definitely been a change of pace because it's like did you never run a uh, like a, a strength phase not beforehand uh-huh. really uh-uh. I haven't done it. I haven't done like straight strength looking forever. And that's what it's like. So it's so different, but also, and I wanted to like, and I know we talked about this quite a bit as well, like how the guys from any one program. And I know the physique development is very, very similar. Which yeah. They, they seem to well. ad- adopt a lot of their stuff. Cause that's where, that's where Austin came from too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think like that's, it sounds like that's sort of what you're doing as well. Right. Yeah, it's the, it's basically the exact same. Because basically the idea with this neural phase, or again, you, listeners, you basically think of it as strength phase is like, as 
basically just getting your body better at being able to like express force right so um basically becoming more explosive and us becoming more explosive is basically our body getting more coordinated with these movements so more muscle fibers fire like per rep versus how they were before so then like going back to hypertrophy style training you'll be recruiting more muscle fibers within each rep that you do right um but yeah it's definitely it's a lot different but it's been the first couple of days have been great i saw it and i was like oh shit like how long are you running it I'm not sure how long this phase is actually. Um, it sounds like this one might just be like three to four weeks. I'm actually not sure on that one yet. Um, but at first I was like, oh, I don't want to do all that shit. Like this is so much different <laughs> than I'm used to. And then I was like, okay, that's probably exactly, Why I probably sure? need something that's not exactly like what I was doing. So it's those five days and then I have two days of fit per week. Um, so like. Hit? Cardio? Yeah. yeah. Like, what, what does that look like? So I have an assault bike in the garage too. So it is twice per week. Uh, it's assault bike. It's only, it's only eight rounds. So it's 10, 10 to 15 seconds all out 45 to 50 seconds of like a slow pace. And you just repeat that for eight minutes. So it's nice that you get it done so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got my first one done this morning. <laughs> it's kind of rough. It took like an hour for that module to go away. It's just been so long <laughs> since I've done oh, yeah. the actual formal cardio, but I mean, already like, it's, it's, it's been good, dude. I'm, I'm excited for the change and I'm excited to keep learning more too and just apply that to our clients as well. Yeah. I think that's super smart for you too, from going from a guy like Steve, who obviously knows his stuff, but he's mm-hmm. kind of on one side of the spectrum. Do you know what I mean? In mm-hmm. terms of training and then going with the guy, I don't know exactly how physique development um, programs, what I'd imagine, just like you said, it's, it's similar to N1, which is very similar. I, I, I feel like we bring up these guys all the time, but Anyway, it's on the other side of the spectrum, right? right? And so like to be able to work with one and work with the other, that's what's going to help you like continue to evolve your training to not get, not necessarily it's bad to get down one path or the other because I think you can see really great progress with both, but allow you to to continue to form your style of program design and what you're doing, right? Like for me, big influences have been like running some of your stuff, running some of Cody's stuff, running some of Paul's stuff, like just running some of Matt Ogus's stuff back in the day, like being able to see everybody's and say, okay, like what makes the most sense for the people that I'm trying to work with? Like how, how do I build my creativity and my craft and my art to my own program design that's still effective, but is more tailored to me. And that's the cool thing about program design, in my opinion, opposed to nutrition, because we're all like all nutrition coaches. It's like, I would say the best nutrition coaches are those who can connect best and build the best Mm -hmm. relationships with their clients. Right. Like, so at the end of the day, we're all, we're all just adhering to, to energy deficits and you know what I mean? And and, and like macros, like who can connect and help people break through those mental barriers with their nutrition to keep them on track for gen pop anyway. Um, but then when it comes to training, like there's this other aspect of it that like everybody kind of has their own flavor of training. Do you know what I mean? Which, Mm -hmm. which makes it way more interesting and way more fun in my opinion. No, I couldn't agree more, dude. And I think like as a coach, learning from different people is so important. As you said, because I know everyone that I've worked with, it's there's just these different pieces where, okay, I really like this. This piece of it I don't like see as being super effective. I'm not gonna implement this. And same thing from like how they coach you, like their systems that they use. Like there's always so much to learn and you always I know every time I've like worked with a new coach now, I don't like recommend just bouncing around constantly from coach to coach. Like it's always at least a year long relationship. I agree. But still like every time I work with someone new, I feel like our service we can give clients 
it takes such a big leap forward and the results our clients achieve as well. Like, cause I always look for like, where do I think my biggest deficit is right now? And I know for me, like it really bothered me. Um, a lot of people that I was interviewing on the podcast, like Brandon DeCruz and Alan Kress and their Luke Ling. And there was a bunch of people in a row that were like all talking about like this different approach to training that I didn't feel like it fully understood but it like made so much sense, like what they were saying and like how it would yield better results. But I feel like I didn't grasp that well enough to apply it to our clients. And then thus I felt like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm not giving them the best results we possibly could. So um, that was a big reason behind it as well. But yeah, man, I agree. That's cool, man. With your, um, with your training with those guys, well, like in terms of in- intensities in your mm-hmm. training, are you, maybe you don't even know yet but do you know what that looks like? Like, is it more of a, of a wave load like it was before, like increasingly getting harder as weeks go on and then deloading off the back end of that? Or are you in the hypertrophy spectrum of it anyway? Maybe you don't know because you're in a neural phase right now, but, or is it like, is it lower volumes um, with higher intensities or, or do you have any idea? So I'm not sure as far as the hypertrophy word goes right now, I'm following a descending rep. <laughs> ascending load scheme so basically it's like like a a linear periodization model sort of so basically okay so like yesterday my first movement was a dumbbell incline bench i did four sets so the first two sets were sixes the second two sets were fours now oh never mind yeah that's yeah okay so the goal is to increase load across each set so like maybe first set is a three rir second set is a two rir third set is a one to two rir and force that as like a one RIR, right? Interesting. So yeah, it's been very, um, and I haven't even dug into it deep enough with him to say like, I fully understand everything that we're doing yet. I just, I just got everything from him. So I didn't want to blow up with those other questions right away. Yeah. Um, it's also funny, like how being a coach, you like understand, like, I'm literally here for you to ask me questions, but I'm always like, dude, I don't want my coaches to think I'm <laughs> like, and it's like, if a client, if a, if a client wasn't asking me questions, I'd be annoyed. Like, you don't understand this. Why are you asking me questions? That's literally my yeah. job. That's what I'm here for. I tell people that all the time, but it's still like with me, it's like, man, I don't want to, I don't, I just want my coaches to like me. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why it's different, but so yeah. Um, it's just your introvertedness. <laughs> it sounds like I know there will be a couple of sets that were like taking to failure across the course of like the latter half of the mezzo, but I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like yet. Hmm. Interesting. I'm excited to ask about that kind of stuff with me. Um, the longer that it goes, maybe next month you'll have a better idea. Yeah. I'll have better answers for you then. You ready to get some questions, dude? Yeah. We've been rambling for a while. (laughs) We have, um, cool. All right. Do you have a couple? Yes. Yes, I do. I've got it written down right here. I'll hit you with one first. Okay. Doms. I know you don't have to experience soreness for an effective session, but what if you are sore and it's not a new stimulus? Does that mean you overdid it? What if you are sore and it's not a new stimulus? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily mean think that it means that you overdid it. I think that it's, a lot of that's going to come down to the exercise selection that's in your programming in the first place. Like I can go in and do eight reps with a specific weight on an RDL where mm-hmm. it's going to stretch the shit out of my hamstrings or a straight leg deadlift that is, and then come back the next week and use the exact same amount of weight or maybe even a little bit less and do the same amount of reps. And I'm still going to get sore in my hamstrings because I'm loading them in a stretch position, right? Which is going to lead to more doms as opposed to 
like a leg curl or something that's challenging the muscle in more of the shorter position right. as opposed to the lengthened position. So that's where my mind first so goes. you right that. now, dude, by the way. Why? <laughs> you just, you, I feel like you've learned so much about hypertrophy training. Oh yeah. Ton. Yeah. A, a ton, a ton. And so, so yeah, um, like that's where my mind goes first when it comes to experiencing DOMS. Like it can be an indicator of progress and maybe it can be an indicator that you're doing too much. What I would argue is like, in your frequency and what you're doing, if you're getting sore and then like you say you're hitting hamstrings or whatever muscle group it is twice per week, if you're still sore moving into that next workout, then mm-hmm. you probably did too much, um, in that first workout, if that makes sense. And so, um, yeah, what do you have to add on to that? That's, that's where my mind initially goes, but breaking it down even further, you've probably got some better insights. No, for sure. I, I agree, man. Like, I think some soreness, if you're never sore, of course, soreness isn't the best proxy that we're doing the fight workout by any means. But I also mm-hmm. think, like, if you're never sore. Uh, Maybe you're not for, pushing hard enough. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it depends, too. Like, I think that we all have muscle groups that are strengths where, like, okay, maybe I get a good pump. I get a good mind-muscle connection with this muscle group. That said, it doesn't get sore very easily, but I'm still progressing. Okay, cool. Um, I heard Brian Borstein and Aaron Sperger on a podcast the other day. I was listening to this and they were talking about DOMS and Brian had such a good insight. I've never heard it this way before, but it made sense. So basically the amount of damage that you did dictates how soon you experience DOMS. Um, so like if, hmm. okay, maybe it's a, maybe it's a muscle group where like, okay, I trained hard the first day, I didn't have DOMS, but the second day, like, oh shit, it comes in pretty, pretty heavily. Right. Thus, we probably created a lot more damage than like if, okay, the next day this muscle grows relatively sore and then it starts to diminish. So super interesting insight. What he was saying is basically you want like, okay, the first day, that's where we have a little bit more. That's like where soreness is the greatest. Second day, it starts to tail off. And then ideally, it should probably be on by like the third day. Um, if it's like, okay, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this shit is way worse the second day versus the, the, the first day. And like third day, there's still a lot of soreness. Then you probably overdid it. I'd never heard that perspective before anybody explained it like that. But to me, that made a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I don't really think I have much else to add other than that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, I think a lot of it just comes down to a lot of it's going to come down to exercise selection too. Mm-hmm. like specific movements are going to lead to more soreness than others. And it doesn't Very necessarily true. that you, that oh, you yeah, overdid a, it in any sort of a way. That's a great point as well. Like movements that overload a muscle in a lengthened position, like you said. And this is like exactly what you said. So actually probably don't even really do that. <laughs> I think that's important though, because I get asked, like I posted a lot of content around that, especially on TikTok, not as much on Instagram lately, but on TikTok, like workout content as, as I, I guess I'm just going to ask you a question um, and see how you answer it, which isn't on this, but what somebody asked me the other day and I broke it down in a video, but what's the difference between um, loading a muscle in a shortened position versus loading a muscle in a lengthened position. And is that something that we should be paying attention to in our program design? That's it. Absolutely. So the lengthened position, again, like the best example, I think you use the perfect example of imagine like a Romanian deadlift where the movement is most challenging where the muscle is in the stretch position, right? That's where like we're being met with the most resistance. That's where the movement is hardest. Or you could think like the bottom of a squat where the quads are in the lengthened position, right? So typically, and uh, Brad Schoenfeld just came out with a study that seemed to show as well, which makes sense if you look at 
so really like most compound movements are gonna overload the muscle more in the lengthened position right? yeah um which makes sense with like the, the compound lifts are always kind of the meat and potatoes of building muscle right and again brad schoenfeld came out with a study recently that seemed to show that um we get a lot more out of the lengthened position as far as muscle growth goes versus the shortened position so on the flip side if we look at like the shortened position so if we looked at like hamstring curls it would like that'd be where okay the movement is hardest when the muscle is shortened or if we're like using the example of quads like a lengthened position movement would be a squat where at the bottom of the pattern your quads are really stretched out and lengthened a shorter position overload would be like a leg extension where the movement's hardest at the top where the quad is shortened like the two ends of the quad are pulled more towards each other so typically we're going to get the best pump from and you'll also like quote unquote feel the movement a little bit more with short position type movements. So again, like a leg extension, you might feel absolutely smoke your quads. Whereas a squat, you don't necessarily feel as much. But again, that's like, well, that's why we can't base all this just on sensation, right? We can't mm-hmm. just like, I'm only gonna do like dumbbell spider curls and leg extensions and hamster curls and get jacked, right? Like, um, so yeah, it's basically like like the position where we're gonna be able to overload the muscle as a whole a lot more probably more conducive to hypertrophy we still need shortened position like again if we're not training a leg curl we're not training half of like our hamstrings functions are going to be um helping with hip extension and helping with knee flexion right and if we're not leaving out that like leg curl we're missing a big like an important function of your hamstrings also um but yeah i think that would be my take is that yeah, I think I know. I think that's fair. I think if you, like, just as you said, if you're trying to get the most bang from your buck and let's say you're limited on time or just trying to follow the most minimal is type program possible, loading in the lengthened position is probably smartest. Are you going to get all of the benefit of, of hypertrophy from that? No, not, not, not whatsoever, but like big movements like RDLs, squats, um, just big movements like that are where you're going to get the most bang for your buck, but you're missing out on a key component if you're not adding in movements from the, the shortened side of the spectrum as well. Yeah. And if you think about program design, like typically just like it on a, like a day of program design, typically it goes to, okay, the first three to four movements are going to be mostly focused on the lengthened position. Mm-hmm. The last couple of movements are probably going to be focused on the shortened position, right? For the most part, like we can debate that with like biceps, but if, for example, like, okay, I'm going to do a bench press as my first movement. And then I'm going to do like a cable chest fly later. Mm -hmm. Right. Or like a shoulder press. And then I'm going to do a lateral raise later. Like it's, No, absolutely. I would agree. There's another concept with that though, too. That's been in a lot of the training that I'm running at the moment to where you're, um, what's the idea? So you're strongest in the lengthened position meaning you'll give out the short position. So like when it, from a hypertrophy standpoint, building muscle, maybe sometimes it makes sense to exhaust the shortened position of a muscle before going into the lengthened position of so the muscle. So it's basically like a mechanical, sort of like a mechanical drop set. Almost, okay. basically. Except like, so like you would go and do three sets of the leg extension first um, before going and doing like a, a quad focused leg, leg press or something okay. like that. Like you wouldn't necessarily go and do a squat next 
Um, I guess you could, but like in, in our programming, like if we're going to do squats, we're obviously going to do those first just because they're more of a skill-based movement. You want right. to be as fresh as possible for it. But like, if you're going to run something like off of a machine to where, um, the movement doesn't take as much skill to be able to right. do as, or maybe as much bracing, I guess you could say, like, why wouldn't you overload the, the quads in the shortened position first, because that's where they're, um, weakest and then take the strongest position, um, in that second movement and you'll get a better hypertrophy, hypertrophy, what's that word? Hypertrophic hypertrophy effect of it yeah i have you heard of that concept yeah yeah so it's kind of like imagine if you went from a dumbbell spider curl to a dumbbell incline curl yeah yeah um yeah i know for sure i've seen that i have seen that more and more lately actually that's interesting. like a new concept that people are talking about it's kind of a lot of old bodybuilders would train that way too like if you think like they're all start starting like a leg workout with either a leg extension or a leg curl depending on if it's Mm -hmm. a posterior anterior and then going into their big movements and it's almost like, it's almost again, like looking at resistance profiles. We're just off on mm-hmm. some nerdy shit on this episode. Yeah, we are. Oh, but I mean, it's kind of like banding your leg press, right? So like typically mm-hmm. the leg press is going to be hard to the bottom. So if you add a band or two to it, so it more evens out the resistance profile. So it's still relatively, so it's still like much more. So basically that band is going to make it, there's not going to be band tension on the bottom. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be equally as hard at the bottom. But by adding that band, like as it stretches out as you go up, when the movement typically is easier, we're made harder throughout. So that's 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 interesting for sure. I'm I'm sure I'll probably run something like that soon within my programming. I'll bet you will. So to experience that. Yeah. Cool. Should we keep going into more <laughs> absolutely questions or do do you have time for another episode? I do. You don't just want to make the next one another episode. Yeah. Cool. Thank you everybody right. for listening. <laughs> we will talk to you shortly.